Let me begin by saying good morning again and welcome, but now not only to those of you who are here in our traditional service, but welcome also to those of you joining us right now in our contemporary service and online and on TV. I'm really glad to be here with you guys. I'm glad we can all be together like this, learning from the word of God together and growing together as followers of Jesus Christ. We started a new series last week, a series called Imagine This. In this series, we've been listening, we're reading the stories, the parables that Jesus told to try to help his first hearers and us also understand what God is up to in our lives and in our world. Parables are meant to open our eyes and stimulate our imaginations to see God's work in our lives and in our world in a different way, with new eyes than we had seen before. And the parable that we read today, the story Jesus told that we read today is one that cuts pretty deep. It's one that touches some raw nerves that reaches into some of, I think, some of the deepest questions that we have. It's a story that Jesus told to people who had gathered around to hear him, who wanted to believe in him, but were having trouble doing that. We're having trouble believing all the good things that Jesus was saying. Jesus came preaching the kingdom of God is at hand. The, The reign of God, the good rule of God is being established in me, Jesus said, So turn, repent is the biblical word for it. Turn your lives around and believe this good news. Come follow me. And people had come to hear Jesus. They were interested. They were inclined to believe him. But then they looked around at their lives. They looked at what was happening in the world. They said, the reign of God is at hand, huh? Are you sure about that? Because it doesn't always look like that, does it? This is not only an ancient question. These are very much questions that we ask today. Do any of you ever ask the God question when you read or hear the news? Increasing global violence, the latest works of ISIS or ISIL or whatever we're supposed to call them this day, reign of terror around the world. And we go, is is this the reign of God? Is God king over all this stuff? And maybe you ask this kind of question, many people ask this kind of question when we struggle with physical sickness or disease or weakness in our bodies when the C word strikes us or our family, somebody has cancer, some sort of genetic disease, Parkinson's, Alzheimer's, and it hurts us. If it happens to a loved one, it hurts us almost as much. And a lot of us have trouble trusting God. A lot of us have trouble wanting to say, I'm gonna go and worship God. I'm so full of joy. And we wonder, where's the kingdom of God right now? Or maybe for you, it's part of your story growing up. Maybe the family that you came from was a difficult situation. Maybe your parents or adults that you were supposed to trust turned out not to be protectors for you, but they harmed you. And that leaves long-term scars. And it can hurt the way that we relate to God. We ask the God question, where's God in that? Is God in charge of all this stuff? Maybe you've had a marriage where you've been walked out on, you've been abandoned. Where's the reign of God right now? You probably have questions like this and hundreds others. I think almost everyone I know struggles with some question like that. But it's not just us. These were the questions that people were asking in their hearts and in their minds as they gathered around Jesus and he began to teach these parables. They asked some of the same questions about sickness and disease. Healthcare in the ancient world was nothing really to admire. They suffered many of the same things we do, but without some of the medical advances we've enjoyed, though we have not solved all our problems to be sure. Political oppression and violence and repression were the coin of the realm in their day, at least as much as it is in ours. The Roman Empire didn't get to be the Roman Empire by asking nicely. 
They came in and they ran people over. Sometimes they made peace, but it was on their terms. And if it wasn't on their terms, they're willing to exterminate and execute and crucify. And they would crucify people who were disloyal to the empire, empire who seemed seditious and disloyal. They would not be able to do what terrorists do today, post videos of executions online. They would do what they could do in the first century, which was crucify people by the roadside, maybe the intersection of major highways, so everybody would know this is what happens when you mess with us. And all these people are gathered around Jesus, and Jesus is saying, the kingdom of God is at hand. Turn your lives around and follow me. Believe this good news. And they want to. These are the people who are there to hear Jesus. They came here to listen to him. They heard things they believed or they wanted to believe and they liked and they had experienced maybe, seen outpourings of his power and they wanted to believe. But they had these struggles, just like a lot of us do. And Jesus wanted to help them with that. He was the great teacher and he began to teach them. It was as if he had said, imagine it this way. Imagine this. Jesus said, the kingdom of God, it's like a man who went out into his field and he sowed good seed. Now the guy who owns the field and sows the seed is a fairly standard symbol in ancient Jewish storytelling, a fairly standard symbol for God. He's got their attention. There's a man who went out into his field and he sowed good seed. But later there came another, an enemy came and he sowed weeds among the wheat. And then I don't know how long it took, but after some time, the wheat and the weeds began to come up together. And all of a sudden, the servants of the master, right? Those who were loyal to the master, those who loved the master, they came and they saw that there were weeds growing among the good seeds that the master had planted in the field. And so they came to the master and they said to him, would it even be okay if I said they prayed? They said to the master, there's weeds in the field. Didn't you sow good seed? Didn't you intend good for this field? And the master said, an, an enemy has come to do this. And so the servants asked, well, what should we do now? What are we going to do about that? Do you want us to go and rip up all the weeds so the wheat can grow unhindered? And the master, I imagine, probably against some of his own instincts, had to say, no, no, you can't do that right now. If you pull up all the weeds right now, you'll uproot too much of the wheat with it. Let it go. Let it be for now. Let them grow together until, until the harvest time. And then I will send the harvesters and they'll gather up all the weeds and they'll pull them out of the field to be burned as we do with weeds. And we'll gather up all the fruitful plants and we'll gather up all the wheat and gather it into my barn. Jesus said there was a master who went out and sowed good seed in the field. It was good seed. For his hearers, he was saying to them, for those of you who expected God to do good things in the world, for those of you who expected God to do good and not evil, you were right. God does do good in the world. God sowed good seed in the world. And I've never known anybody who, didn't, who sowed seed or planted plants without hope. The master had his heart set on the field just as the people in the field do. He wanted to see good come from his field. When Jesus reassured them that God sows good seed in the field of this world, he is simply repeating what they already know from scriptural stories, from the foundational creation story at the very beginning of the Bible, with its poetic repetition, its beautiful repetition and reinforcement that what God has created is good. And God said, let there be light, and there was light, and behold, God saw all that he had made, and it was very good. And there was evening and morning the first day, and God separated the land and the seas, and God saw all that he had made, and behold, it was very good, and there was evening and morning the second day, and God created plants and animals, and God saw all that he had made, and behold, it was very good. Evening and morning, the third day, and on and on. God saw all that he had made, and it was good. God created a good world. 
Jesus said there was a man who went out, a master of the field who sowed good seed in his field. You're right to expect good things from God. And then Jesus' story introduces another character. There's another actor, another agent in the story who comes along and sows destructive things in God's world. Sows weeds in God's world that come up and they steal the nutrition and they choke off the plants that are there. There's another agent in the story that comes along and sows weeds. And I think it's important for us to recognize that there isn't necessarily any rhyme or reason to this. I think in our hearts and in our minds, it becomes easier for us, it becomes more comfortable for us to deal with the hard things in life when we can imagine that they're all part of some larger plan, that it all really makes sense somehow. Have you ever found yourself doing this? I do it myself, I hear other people do it. Something bad happens and we begin to rationalize and we explain and there's always a cause for it. Sometimes the cause for it is that there was an enemy who came and sowed weeds in the field. There's a verse in the New Testament that lots of Christians take great comfort in, as we should. It says in the book of Romans that God works all things for good according to his purpose for those who love him and are called to him. And so Christians read that verse and sometimes we think, well, there, God is working out all things in my life. God did this in my life. But Jesus tells us in the story, it's not the will of God that you would suffer disease and pain, and sickness, rejection, abandonment, oppression, exploitation. There was an enemy who came and sowed seeds in the field. And God can take these things, he can take the worst things in our lives and reorder them and repurpose them for good, but it's not God who sowed weeds in the field, it's the enemy. And when the characters in the story, the laborers, those who are loyal to and love the master, they come to the master and they say there's weeds in the field. They're complaining, they're praying, why are there weeds in the field? And the master explains there's an enemy who did this. Well, then they ask the same kind of question that we're bound to ask. So what are we gonna do about that? What's God gonna do about that? What's God's response to the enemy who sowed weeds in the field. And I think in Jesus' story, we can recognize there are kind of two stages in the master's response. The first stage in the master's response is patience. It's patience. He says, wait. I imagine the master would have loved to get the weeds ripped up out of the field as soon as possible. He cared about the field. Those were his plants he planted. He was looking forward to the harvest. And yet he had to say, wait for the good of the wheat for the good of the fruitful plants, you can't go around ripping up all the weeds right away. I mean, that makes sense to me. When I think about what would happen if the master had authorized us or somebody else to go through and rip up all the wicked people, man, I don't know how many of us would be left. I think there are weedly tendencies in my life. There maybe are in yours. The master says, wait, we need time. We need time for this. Don't rip them all up yet. I think this is where Christians learn from the way of Jesus this is a distinguishing characteristic of the worldview of those of us who follow Jesus. This is different from the jihadist worldview that presents itself in our world today. Those of us who learn our view of the world and our sense of what God wants from Jesus. Those of us who are disciples, apprentices, students of the way of Jesus. We will never think that it's the right thing to do to kill or exterminate the infidels because we have heard the master say, wait, in this time, wait. And so we wait on God. And so we wait for the time of the harvest. And that is the second stage. That is the second stage of God's response. He says, there will be a harvest time and I will gather all the wheat, I will gather all the fruitful plants into my barn. And on the one hand, Jesus means for this to be such a word of hope and encouragement to us that there will come a time when all these things that choke us out, all the weeds that rack our bodies, when every sickness and every disease will be healed, when God will wipe away every tear from our eyes and all the pain that we suffer will be gone and our loved ones who hurt, that they'll be healed. 
All that was wrong will be made right again. And Jesus wants us to understand that this part of the story in which we live right now is just one chapter of the long, long story of God's world and of the long, eternal story of our own lives. And it feels so much like it is the whole story of our lives because it's all that we experience right now. But Jesus opens up an eternal perspective for us and says, what you suffer with right now is going to be wiped away and it will be a time full of joy and healing. All that is sick will be healed. All that is wrong will be right. Relationships that have been broken can be reconciled. All the violence and injustice that characterizes God's world right now, over which God's heart breaks even more than yours, it will all be wiped away and be replaced by God's peace and wholeness. And all God's world will work all God's way. This is the kingdom for which we pray. And the kingdom of God will be fully established. And God's will shall be done on earth as it is in heaven. This day is coming, Jesus tells his hearers. And in that day, on the harvest day, evil will be banished. This is the other side of what Jesus is saying. Not only will the sickness be healed, not only will the people of God be redeemed, but evil will be banished. And justice will be established. The enemy will be defeated. And those of us who have cooperated with the work of the one who came to sow weeds, and those of us who have cooperated with the one whose mission it is to steal, kill, and destroy, justice will be established there too. Now when Jesus talks about judgment, I think it's an uncomfortable topic for a lot of us. I think when Jesus talks about judgment, it's important to clarify that I think he intends to have two effects, intends to accomplish two things by that. On the one hand, and this is the one I think we often miss, I think Jesus means this as a promise. He means it as an encouraging promise to those who have lived most of their life on the bottom of the heap. And for those of us who maybe have lived most of our lives on the top of the heap, this is a little bit hard for us to wrap our hearts around. But Jesus is speaking to people who have lived under the thumb of empire, speaking to people who have lived their lives fearing violence, oppression, fearing those who harm the vulnerable, who persecute the innocent, who kill children. And Jesus is speaking to people who have suffered with that kind of power in this world and saying God is not just going to wink at that sin. It's not like that doesn't matter. God's not gonna look at that kind of terror and go, it's no big deal, I don't care really. Rather, Jesus says, God's world is going to add up. The story of the world is not going to be, as the ancient writer said, a tale told by an idiot, signifying nothing. It's gonna add up. Jesus said, it's gonna make sense. And to those of you who have lived life on the bottom of the heap, you understand what I'm saying. On the one hand, I think this is a promise that God makes for his world and for those who have suffered. I think on the other hand, we're also supposed to hear Jesus' description of judgment as an unsettling threat. It's supposed to be a word spoken to those who are in power and misusing it, to those who are hurting others. And it is therefore also an invitation to turn. Every time Jesus said the kingdom of God is at hand, the reign of God is in the process of being established, therefore repent. Therefore, turn, come, and receive this good news. Receive the repentance that leads to life. And then somehow in God's miraculous economy, he blows up the categories of the stories that we understand. And in God's way, even weeds can become wheat. And it's not too late to turn. Murderers can become apostles. It's possible to find new life. Now I recognize that sitting in our rows here today or joining us online and on TV, probably not a lot of us are oppressors and tyrants and terrorists. But I think when we hear this word, we can listen to it speak to us too. We have the opportunity to do some introspection or some self-inspection. 
and to say, are there ways that I'm cooperating with the work of the enemy in this world? I don't want to do that. I want to turn away from those things and go the way of Jesus instead. Are there ways that I cooperate with the systems of power that exploit the vulnerable? Are there ways that in my life or my family or my community that we participate in the systems of greed that crush the poor? And if there is, I want to turn from that. I don't want to go the way of the enemy. I want to go the way of Jesus. So I think there's an opportunity in this parable for us to do that kind of self-inspection and turning. But I don't think that's the most important point in this parable. The bottom line of this story is meant to be a word of hope. The bottom line of this story is meant to be a word of encouragement spoken to people who are living life in the weeds. And in this way, Jesus not only gives us this story, we not only have Jesus' word and his teaching on this, but I'd like to tell you, I think we also have Jesus' life on this. Jesus, I think, actually lived the parable of the weeds. Jesus, too, was an innocent sufferer, wasn't he? Throughout his life, Jesus faced opposition, sometimes violently, His reputation was defamed. He was betrayed and denied by close friends. At the end of Jesus' life, he was even praying when he knew what his fate was. Jesus prayed to the Father, Lord, let this cup pass from me. Does it have to be this way? God, take the weeds out of my life. Yet not my will, but yours be done. And even in the life of Jesus himself, God did not uproot all the weeds in this season, in this life on this earth, even in the life of Jesus. And then at the very end of his life, he was wrongly arrested, falsely convicted, and unjustly executed. And they hung him up on a cross, there where the crowds could gather, where the roads came together so people could come by. Jesus was the victim of execution in public. In Jesus, God sowed good seeds And the enemy came and sowed wheat, weeds. And then they took his body down from the cross and they laid his cold body in the tomb and they rolled the stone in front of the tomb. And as far as any reasonable person could see, they may as well have put a sign at the end of that story that said, the end, all done. The weeds won. And then on the third day, And then on the third day, God raised him from the dead. And then on the third day, they rolled the stone away from the tomb and the tomb was empty. On the third day, some women came to the tomb to anoint Jesus' stinking body with perfumes and ointments. And they came and he wasn't there. And they met an angel who said, who are you looking for? Why do you seek the living among the dead? Jesus isn't here, he's risen. Just as he said, he's alive. On the third day, God raised the sun and the sun began to rise on a whole new day of God's creation. And on Easter morning, God did for Jesus ahead of time what God will do for all his children at the end of time. And this is God's promise to us that this is a foretaste of the harvest. This is a promise to all of us, to all of you who are living life in the midst of the weeds, to all of us who suffer physical disease and pain and relational pain, abandonment, rejection, and defeat, to say this is not the end of the story. And God not only gives us his word on that, but came into our world to raise Jesus from the dead in this world to give us a physical foretaste, a down payment on the life that is to come. To all those of us who suffer physical pain, 
to all those of us who suffer relational pain, to all those of us who walk the road that Jesus himself walked, this is the reassurance that this is the road you're on and Jesus is on it with you and this is where that story ends. And so it is the promise of God to us. It is the promise of life. It is the promise of life abundant, of life healed, and life eternal. It is the promise of life and freedom, liberty and healing and justice for all God's world, for all God's world, all God's way. It is the promise of the kingdom of God. For this, Jesus says, this is what the kingdom of God is like. Let me just take a moment as we close. I wanna pray for us and pray for all those of us who are living life in the weeds that God would turn our eyes to him, open the eyes of our hearts, and strengthen us in faith. Let's pray together. Good and gracious God, we give you thanks. God, we give you thanks that you have not left us to ourselves, left us to our own devices, left us in the midst of a sin-broken world. Father, I think in some ways it's not that we should be surprised by the pain we experience, but overwhelmed by your goodness that you have come to save us from it. God, I pray that you would send us your spirit in the midst of our struggles, in the midst of the weeds that grow in our lives, and save us, Lord. We pray for your merciful healing here, even now in this world, that you would have mercy on us and restore us. And God, we put our trust in you, knowing what you have done, knowing that you have brought your new creation into this world, that the kingdom of God is at hand. And God, we pray that you would keep us faithful to you, and that one day you would gather us to yourself, and that you would open our eyes to joy, and that you would open our eyes in salvation to see all that you have done. We love you and we trust you. And we live and pray in Jesus' name. Amen.